You're listening to the West End Frame Show. Hello and welcome to the West End Frame Show. I'm your host and West End Frame editor, Andrew Tomlins. And here's the thing, there are so many shows and so little time, so I've known for a while that I needed to do a bonus show talk episode to catch up. I was going to do this like the week before last, but I had a cold. I sounded like Marge Simpson for the week. So here we are. We're doing it now. And there is lots to discuss. I'm all by myself. And coming up, I'm going to be talking about the big life. I should be so lucky. Redcliffe, Bronco, Billy, Frozen, Mamma Mia and West End Sessions. Uh, Before that, I was recording the West End Frame show with Amy Thornton and was having far too much fun talking with her and chatting about all the theatre news and uh, Hades Town and Hamilton. But I completely forgot to mention that it was West End Frame's 12th anniversary birthday at the weekend, uh, 12 years since I started it as a kind of a theatre blog, which then grew into a theatre website. And there was so much love on social media, so many lovely messages. It was really kind, really appreciated. And I can't believe that it has been 12 years. It's absolutely mad. Right, before I go into the shows we need to talk about, there was a lot of exciting theatre news announced whilst we were off air in January and for the start of February, and we didn't get the chance to discuss it, right? So Stephanie J. Block was announced to be coming into London with Kiss Me Kate. We heard casting for Burlesque and MJ, and Alex Newell is coming to London to do Pippin and a concert, and we're getting a Steps musical. Like, it's all going on. All those shows, I'm sure, will pop up again on the pod and we'll get to discuss them. But one thing I did want to talk about is the announcement that Rob Madge's show, My Sons Are Queer, But What Can You Do, has postponed its Broadway run. It all seemed to happen very quickly, with the announcement dropping the week before rehearsals were due to begin. But it's now been announced that the musical will instead open on Broadway next season. Producers said that the theatre and dates will be announced at a later date. And Rob released this video on Instagram. They were understandably devastated and very emotional. Uh, But they did say that as emotional as they were, they know that it's the best thing for the show. I think it's fair to say that everyone is devastated. My heart sank when I saw the news drop. My Sons Are Queer is such an important and special piece of theatre and it's made so much impact in the UK during its two West Ends and then its Edinburgh runs. So the thought of this opening on Broadway was massive. It was a big deal. And Rob wears their heart on their sleeve and my heart literally broke for them. I hope it is for the best. I hope everything gets sorted for the show to proceed next season. And it wasn't lost on me that this news happened the same week that Rishi Sunak, our Prime Minister, was making dehumanising comments in Parliament whilst Brianna Gray's mother was in attendance, which to me highlighted why we need this show more than ever and why the message of the show needs to be spread. And I think it could have made quite a lot of impact 
in New York and beyond. So I really hope it happens and we get to see it there. Um, being the class act that they are, Robbers already released a sketch video about their life post-Broadway postponement, which is incredibly funny and very witty. And I wish them all the best. I cannot wait to see what they do with this time because I'm sure Robbers aren't going to be sitting still. Okay, so coming up, we have seven shows to discuss. First up, I want to talk about The Big Life. So 20 years after its premiere at Stratford East and subsequent West End transfer, The Big Life is being revived at Stratford East. In Paul Sirrett and Paul Joseph's Scar musical, the story of Shakespeare's Love's Labour's Lost meets that of the Windrush generation. We meet a bunch of characters who arrive in London from the West Indies with dreams, but are faced with a tough reality. And there's also this plot involving the guys making a pact against romance for a period of time, which is a challenge and goes joyfully wrong and it's really good fun. As well as following these characters, watching on from the box at Stratford East is Tamika Empson, who introduces herself as the grandma of one of the actors in the show. And basically, between scenes, she delivers the most hilarious monologues to the audience, uh, which she has written, because um, she's also one of the co-writers, and it kind of makes fun of everyone and everything. And then later in the show, Tamika's moments become more serious and she delivers an incredibly powerful monologue about the impact Caribbean people have had and continue to have in British society. And that's just kind of what the show does as a whole, right? It's a laugh a minute. We watch these characters navigate their lives. It's funny and it's entertaining. But when it briefly becomes more serious, it makes hard-hitting impact. And for me, that's why The Big Life is impactful theatre at its best. It's human and it's real. And rather than telling us about an issue or about a perspective, it's showing us it with humanity and joy at its core. And I think that's how you educate and open eyes. Also, the setup for some of the more emotional moments is brief. So Rachel John's character talks about some of her hardship briefly in the first act. But then when her character receives some heartbreaking news in act two, you could feel the heartbreak from every audience member. It was so impressive that it made people feel such a high level of emotion with such little setup. Like, that's extraordinary and testament to Rachel John, as well as the writing and the direction from Tanu Craig. All the cast are brilliant and absolutely thriving. So Ashley Samuel's voice hits new highs. As per usual, Gabrielle Brooks is making audiences fall in love with her and then belting her face off and growling and doing crazy things. Uh, kind of Daly has so much charm and Danny Bailey is doing the most and is exquisite every step of the way. Honestly, the whole cast, every single person on that stage is so good. And Tamika Empson, as mentioned, is her and out here doing crazy things. When I saw that the running time for The Big Life was three hours, I was a little shook. Uh, it's giving Les Mis, but actually I was consistently laughing. I'm sure it could be trimmed down somewhere, but actually I couldn't highlight a section of the show which dipped or which dragged. I was loving it all. 
It was also my first ever trip to Stratford East, and although the downstairs bar was terrifyingly busy on press night, it's a beautiful theatre and a lovely tool space, which this show fits perfectly inside. I loved going into this knowing nothing and coming out feeling the impact of the story, but also with a face aching from smiling and laughing solidly for three hours. It's a job well done to all involved and it's a big recommendation from me right now. So the big life runs at Stratford East through to Saturday the 30th of March. Right, I went to see the Stock Aitken Waterman musical during its stop in Wimbledon called I Should Be So Lucky. This is a brand new musical which is on tour featuring songs like Never Gonna Give You Up, Respectable, Better The Devil You Know and lots more from the Stock Aitken Waterman catalogue. The show revolves around Ella, who gets jilted at the altar on her wedding day, but nobody wants to waste the honeymoon, so she still goes to Turkey, taking her mum, her grandma, her sister, her best friend, and her gay best friend uh, with her. Whilst she is alone in her honeymoon suite, Kylie Minogue kindly appears in Ella's mirror to give her lots of advice. Stuff happens, Ella's fiancé flies out to try and win Ella back, and you can kind of imagine the rest. I had a good time, and I really get why audiences are enjoying I Should Be So Lucky. For me, I think it relied a little too heavily on basic stereotypes and cliches. There's something there, but it could maybe be developed or challenged further. And maybe one of the components here is that um, Debbie Izzett, who is the mastermind behind the Nativity franchise and written tons of amazing things, um, it might be because she has written and directed the show. And she's obviously hugely talented and very funny and brilliant. But I think sometimes with new work, you need a director to come in subjectively with fresh eyes to almost develop it further with a different perspective. I guess... I think what I'm saying is that I wish I Should Be So Lucky wasn't so cliche, but the music was great, the choreo was great, the cast are full out, and I think it serves a purpose and is giving regional audiences a fun party night out at the theatre. But I think they could still get there with a little more development, um, which didn't rely so heavily on stereotypes, which we potentially need to start moving away from in 2024. Like I said, the cast are great. They're doing big number after big number and smashing it. The ensemble has so much character and so much presence. Kayla Carter sings her face off. I love seeing Matthew Croke in a completely different role. Melissa Jakes is always a joy and Lucy May Summer leads the show beautifully. She holds it all together and she is a stellar leading lady with a beautiful voice, like committed acting, I was living for her. So I Should Be So Lucky continues on tour through to the 11th of May. And if you need a party night out, then it is definitely the show for you. 
So next, I went to see Bronco Billy, which is a new musical receiving its premiere at the Charing Cross Theatre. Based on the 1980 film, Bronco Billy is a wild western romp. It has a theme and it sticks with it. And the branding has been stunning since day one. And that translated through to the set design by Amy Jane Cook being super cool and fancy. It's the most ambitious set I've ever seen at the Charing Cross Theatre. And it's great to see that space being utilised like this. So this is a new musical, like I said, and I really like how bold it is. Bronco Billy's set in 1971, but there's very much some 2024 inclusivity in there, which stands strong and is lovely to see. There's some great numbers and the company are full out. I think there's potentially developing refining to be done, um, but there's so much great stuff in there. Emily Benjamin, fresh from her run as the alternate Sally Bowles in Cabaret, is incredible leading this show alongside the always stellar Taryn Callender who continues to show us that there is nothing he cannot do and listen out because uh, you might hear him on an episode of In The Frame very soon so I love new work I love seeing bold stuff I love seeing great design and ambition uh, so if you want to see some of that Bronco Billy runs at the Chang Cross Theatre until the 7th of April Okay, this is a bit different. So in January, uh, MT Fest, a festival of new musical theatre writing, returned to the Turbine Theatre and other Palace Studio. I've covered some of the shows in MT Fest before. I've done interviews and spoken about them and stuff. But I've I realised that I've never actually been to see one of the shows, I don't think, until this year. So I went to see Redcliffe, which is a brand new musical with books, with lyrics and with music by Jordan Luke Gage, who we of course know for belting his face off in lots of West End musicals. This is his debut show as a writer and I had to see it. Obviously, I'm not going to review this show full out because it's incomplete and empty fest is just about showcasing some new work in a semi-staged and loose way often with actors literally holding the scripts in their hand because of that i went along very open-minded i had no idea what i was about to see and i definitely was not expecting to become so drawn in i talk on this podcast sometimes about when a show gets me and that's something which happens from time to time. Like, I'll see lots of shows I love, but only a few which get me. And Redcliffe got me. I was fully invested. It is a tale of forbidden love. It's based on true events between William Critchard and Richard Arnold in 1753, when people were persecuted for being gay. We get an insight into William's world as he's feeling pressure to provide for his mother and sister who are both desperate for him to find a wife. But when he meets Richard, he unlocks a world he had never dared to explore before. This early draft set up the time and the world and perimeters so well without over explaining or over informing us as an audience and the incredible company which included Jordan playing Williams so he was in the show as well as writing the music book and lyrics um 
They, they, the company brought the characters to life. It's that feeling of joy mixed with fear that I was experiencing as I was sat there. But what I didn't know is that at MT Fest, they only performed the first act of the musicals. So one minute, I was leaning forwards in my chair, and the next, I was distraught because it was all over and it left it on an almighty cliffhanger. We were, however, treated to an extra song um, once that first act had finished from Act Two, which Rebecca Locke, who played the mother, treated us to. And let me tell you, it was incredible and the emotion was real. She was so stellar in the first act too, as was Jane Darch, who played Richard, and Jordan was great. I loved the music. There was different styles thrown in there, some hilarious numbers, some strong emotive moments, and lots of really great storytelling. It was all sorts of a lovely surprise, and I can't wait to see what happens next for Redcliffe. It needs some further life so I can find out what happens next. I know I could go onto Google and do some research, but I'm not going to. I want to wait. Um, and it was an incredible platform to see Jordan performing in a very different role for him, which he did so well, and he sang it incredibly, and really incredible to discover that he has these talents as well. From speaking to performers and creators on this podcast and on In The Frame, I love it when people take risks and do something different. And Jordan Luke Gage casually writing a musical, uh, which is just strong for an early presentation, is pretty mind-blowing and very impressive. So I'm in awe and I am definitely watching this space. I have also seen a couple of long runners. So firstly, I went along to see Frozen at a Theatre Royal Drury Lane because I needed to catch Jenna Lee James, who was playing Elsa for a limited run while Samantha Barks was on her maternity leave. And I left it late, but managed to catch Gemma's very last show. It was so great to see her Elsa. She was singing her face off, but also so great to see the show again. I've forgotten how much I liked it. It has been announced that Frozen is closing in September, which I think is a shame, but it's also had a real brilliant, commendable run. I think... Frozen successfully manages to capture the imagination of children and adults. So you could smell the enchantment in the air. And I basically melted when kids from the audience audibly gasped with joy when Olaf made his first appearance. But equally, you could hear the adults kidding themselves too. It was a really lovely atmosphere to be a part of. Laura Dawkes is making her West End debut as Anna and is a star. Like, she was so, 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 so good. She was hilarious. She has an amazing voice and just landed everything perfectly. So she's one to watch. Jamie Kasongo is a great Kristoff and I was also delighted to catch various understudies and swings who were all doing the most. Like Frozen is just a spectacle. It's big scale musical. It's funny. The music's great. And I think it ticks a lot of those boxes of what those commercial audiences want when they're going to the theatre. So Frozen runs at the Theatre or Drury Lane until the 8th of September this year. And then that'll be it. So defo go and see it if you haven't seen it already um 
I also had a really fun night at Mamma Mia watching Stevie Dork and Tobias Turley, winners of ITV's I Have a Dream as Sophie and Skye. They've had a whirlwind few months, but are so perfect in these roles. As always, Maz Murray was the definition of perfection as Donna, and the winner takes it all, blew the ceiling off. Like, it, she just gets more and more spectacular and more and more incredible, and I don't know how she manages to sustain that level of excellence for such a long time. But Mamma Mia continues to run at the Novello Theatre. Finally, at the end of last week, I had a very classy night at Brooks Muse Bar in Mayfair for West End Sessions, which is Daniel Cook's cabaret series where he invites a couple of his mates along for an opulent evening. Basically, the night that I was there, he, Kerry Ellis and Rob Houchen belted out songs whilst the audience drank champagne and there was gin cocktails and they were eating lovely food involving cheese and cold meats and all sorts of wonderful posh things. Rob and Dan were hilarious together. They both had Les Mis at one point um, as Jean Valjean and as Marius together. Daniel was the host with the most and the banter was flowing because they're both tenors. So they were saying they were fighting over who was going to sing what on the set list. So ended up doing lots of duets and it was all really good fun. Then Kerry Ellis was also bringing the lols. The whole thing just felt really spontaneous, really chilled. And I kind of like that vibe for a cabaret night, especially in a venue as intimate as this, because it was teeny tiny. So it felt really personal and like we were being invited to be in on the jokes and the set list and and all kind of the, the comings together of the show. Carrie belted out memory and did also her beautiful stripped back version of Defying Gravity, which I love. I think it's one that Craig Adams originally arranged for her. Rob gave us a bit of empty chairs at empty tables, slipping back into Marius mode. And with Dan, they did the most beautiful duet of Bring Him Home. Both of their voices together are quite something. The power was just off the scale. It was across three acts. He got two intervals to get more drinks and more food and and to chat and to have fun. Kerry ended kind of her list of songs with a rendition of your song, the kind of Moulin Rouge version, which was stunning. And the final belt was so satisfying. She ended on a massive, massive high. Um, so West End Sessions is a really fun night out. It's a real incredible opportunity to see such incredible stellar major West End talent in such an intimate but classy space. The next West End Sessions takes place next month with the lineup including Christina Bianco alongside Daniel Cook and I'm sure there'll be more fabulous people in attendance as well. So huge congrats to Daniel and the team because they're doing something really excellent here and it was lots and lots of fun. And there we go. Thank you for listening to this episode of the West End Frame Show. I have loved sitting here babbling and catching up about all the excellent theatre and concerts and things that are going on in London at the moment. Make sure you subscribe and follow and rate and review wherever you're listening. And whilst you're there, check out our interviews podcast in the frame. You can follow West End Frame on Instagram and TikTok and I'll be back next week for another stagey catch-up. <laughs>